This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by, uh, what, Guinness, I suppose? Yeah, why not? Powered by Celery, the show that is looking forward to another FA Cup final at Wembley. Yes, now, semi-finals are often horrible experiences. Sunday's semi was no exception. Chelsea faced uh, with 10 men behind the ball, uh, resorted to what they do worst, which is move the ball slowly, sideways and backwards, and offered little goal threat. Kovacic going off injured after 25 minutes didn't help, but it was his replacement, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who eventually broke the deadlock in the second half with a well-struck goal. Mount added an exquisite second, and the match was never in doubt after that. Uh, Chelsea march on to their 16th FA Cup final, and Palace, their ultras, and their interminable drum marched all the way back to Croydon and obscurity, where, of course, they all belong, as we know only too well. Now, how pleasing that in this season of turmoil for Chelsea, they reached yet another final. Our fifth final in six years. And uh, and that the Cobham graduates continue to make telling contributions. All they have to do now is go on and win the damn thing. It's about time. And the title of tonight's show is Ruben Lofty Heights, Chelsea Fancast 891. And uh, for the observant among you will realise that I sound shit. Well, I know I usually sound shit, but I actually do sound shit because I am actually feeling quite shit. I've just been floored for over a week with COVID. Uh, well done and thank you to Dino for uh, taking the reins last Friday and doing an absolutely stellar job. Uh, if only he was here tonight as well. Uh, but uh, no, I'm soldiering on. But uh, don't worry, I've got uh, I've got good, good company tonight. Uh, no JK. JK is cottaging tonight. <laughs> he, no, he no, really, he is, he is, he's he's going to, he's gone to see. I don't know. I mean, you know, he's a weird boy, and that's why we love him. But he's gone to see. He's obviously gone off with a, a Fulham mate to see Fulham play tonight, because this is the night that they may well uh, come back to the Premier League for their, you know, for their uh, yearly uh, year appearance before 
disappearing back down again. So anyway, JK is cottaging tonight, so no JK. But I'm delighted to say we have with us the absolutely lovely, wonderful Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello, good evening. Good to good see to you. Good to be here. Yeah, good to see you, man. You all right? Yeah, very good, thank you. Looking forward to it. Good, good. Uh, me too, actually, because I missed it. Uh, I mean, last week, I, no, nobody did it because, I mean, I, I'd only just got down with the thing anyway. Uh, I've also got tonight one of my favourite people in the entire universe, as she well knows, the absolutely deliciously lovely Alexandra Churchill. Hello. Hello. How lovely to see your beaming face. I was going to laugh when you were going, fueled by Guinness. I was like, fueled by AstraZeneca, powered yeah. by whatever drugs you can get in him right now. Yes, indeed. I mean, I wonder, I mean, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? You know, well, I don't know if I don't know if you boys and girls have had it, but I did think while I was feeling utter shit for the last week, I thought, well, I've, had all, I've had all three jabs. So what would, it be, what would it have been like if I hadn't had them, you know? You know, well, you know the saga of my ridiculous neighbour who thinks it's all fake. The yeah. asshole that went to work in a care home with symptoms because she said it's all her latest one. You'll love this. It doesn't exist, Chidge. Um, but if it does, she's covering all bases now. The government are sprinkling it all over us. Do you know how? You know when you look up and you see aeroplanes and you see those two white lines. That's what they're doing. Right. Whatever they're sprinkling gives everybody COVID and brings on climate change. Yeah, I, that's what I thought the minute I po- po- uh, tested positive uh, on Monday morning. But there you go. Uh, I think I'm I'm on the way back. But uh, I tell you, you know, for anybody who's had it rough, I, I, I completely and utterly sympathise with them. It's not pleasant. Anyway, on the show tonight, in part one, we discuss the redemption of Reuben Loftus-Cheek and the insurmountable Mason Mount. And we ask whether there's a cause to be made or a case to be made even for... 4-3-3 going forward. Uh, in part two, we continue the Chelsea versus Crystal Palace review by asking whether a rejuvenated Timo Werner has a future. And the same with Lukaku. And with Chelsea reaching their fifth FA Cup final in six years, how important will it be to win after losing the last two? I would say very, but uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, in part three, we look ahead to Chelsea's Premier League match against Arsenal tomorrow night. Uh, what team should Tuchel pick? How is Arsenal's form and what are their main threats and how do we see it going? Uh, and as ever, of course, don't forget, you can listen to the show live uh, well, whenever we do it, basically. I'm, I'm now hesitating saying every Monday because, of course, we do it on a Friday too. But we do it live at 7pm on a Monday usually uh, and you can listen to it by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash, forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. And of course, if you do that, you can join in with all of the lovely people who do tune in because they like gathering around a weird internet stream on a Monday evening and they have great chats with each other. And there's loads in there. Blue bloke, uh, Brian Justman, lovely Brian, Daryl, Nick, uh, Nathan's in, Michael, uh, oh, Mark's in, Mark Meehan's in the house. There you go, Mark. Uh, it's good to see you in there as always. So there you go. Uh, it's the place to be on a Monday. You know it. Now, we'll be back in a minute to uh, talk about the Palace Cup match. Right, uh, so sadly, another one. I, I missed the uh, I missed the Caribou Cup final because 
I was worried about getting COVID. Yeah, I know. Don't laugh. It's ironic. Uh, and uh, cause I didn't want to give it to my missus, who's a bit vulnerable. Uh, and then I missed this one because, oh, guess what? I had COVID. So I was really, really pissed off uh, on Sunday because I, as I said to, in fact, the other thing, of course, I missed a big Sunday lunch. My family got together for a big Sunday lunch up in London. And given that uh, I lost my father a couple of months ago, it was kind of important to be there with him. But I said to mum when it was booked, I said, mum, I'm not going. And and I'm sorry to say this, but I can't, I'm not going. I'm going to Wembley to see Chelsea in an FA Cup semi-final. She said, well, for God's sake, bloody football. I said, yeah, but mum, it might be the last time I go to Wembley for a long, long time, given what's happening to this club. So I felt very strongly that, you know, this was one to be at. Uh, and of course, I bloody missed it because of the COVID. But there you go. Um, Clayton, uh, I mean, I'm, I obviously wasn't on Friday night's show, but uh, I, I think I think we, we all collectively did quite a good solid job on picking the Suns, as, as did Tuchel. I mean, I, I have to say, I can understand why he didn't pick uh, Silver because he'd played... I mean, I was worried about a lot of the team, actually, and their rigours in the Real Madrid match, but he pretty much picked the team that I would have picked. I understood why he brought uh, Aspie back. Um, I understood why he didn't play Silver. And I'm absolutely—I was absolutely delighted that he stuck with Havertz, Mount, and Werner. Uh, the latter absolutely deserving to, to start. So I was filled with quite a lot of hope when it kicked off. But Palace, I have to say, mate, Vieira, I thought did a a very very good job on stifling Chelsea. Certainly for the first half, matched us up. Uh, you know, played five at the back basically. Uh, I thought it was very clever the way that he put. You know, people on our midfield to stop them playing, you know. But we were playing a lot with 10 men behind the ball. And it was a real, real stalemate. And everybody here was moaning about, oh, Chelsea have been rubbish, Chelsea shit, blah, blah, blah. But I think, actually, Palace stopped us playing very, very well in that first half. Yeah, no, I agree. I, 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 find, it, um, I find it very strange that sort of people who were moaning um, just don't, actually remember that sort of four days ago, Chelsea played in one of the most monumental games they would have played this season or any other season. And the amount that they would have put into that physically and mentally would have been enormous. And as much as this was Wembley, as much as this was an FA Cup semi-final, it would have taken a lot for those guys to go again. And there were quite a lot of players who played in on Wednesday's game who were playing on Sunday. So, I mean, hats off to them. And then you play against a side that is belligerent, has got everybody behind the ball. Um, and it's difficult. I mean, it doesn't help when we were we were particularly lethargic, but there's nowhere to go on the pitch. There's nothing to, you know, it's all very well saying, oh, sort of play over the top. But if you play over the top, you just hit three of them instead of the five that are sitting in front of there. And they matched us up, which, you know, and and... It's quite interesting because we'll come on to it, but I, I always think, you know, this is the antithesis of football, isn't it? The the sort of the 10 men behind the ball and not with no ambition whatsoever. I absolutely hate watching it. We've played against it so many times in the last God knows how many years. And it is just, it is so, so dull. But, you know, if you are a team that haven't got, the players to match us, then that's what you've got to do, which is what it proved. You know, when they went one nil down and they changed it and they basically put on different players, 
they got ripped. I mean, we should have had about four or five by the end. Yeah. So, you know, if that, I, I said to my son whilst we were watching it, I said, they're playing for penalties. And I think they were. And I, I, I think, it, personally, I think it's foolish because you've got some good players in that Palace squad. And if you would have run at us, I think you would have got some joy. Well, you say that, and I, I, I do agree to an extent, I, I think Palace's game plan was was to hit us on the on the break. You know that that, that we would get drawn into just going foot higher and higher and higher up the pitch, and then they would lob one over to Eze, who's a decent player, and uh, and Zahar, who who's their best player, and and catch us on the break and and score, and then revert back to defending with ten men against the ball, which is not a bad ploy, and it has worked against us. But I agree with you on on the other extent that. Teams that have had a right go at us have often, you know, found a lot of joy as well. You know, pressing us like Billio, nicking the ball, and then you know, bomb- bombarding us with three, four, five people in the attack. You know, that's also been successful too. I mean, I, you, I presume you were both there, by the way, weren't you? No, none <laughs> no, of us were I'm, there. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a complete plastic. No, I was, uh, I was family tied up at uh, Easter celebrations. I mean, I, I went to the uh, the League Cup final. I mean, to be honest with you, and, and I, I don't want to sound entitled, but I just, I hate going to Wembley now. It's an absolute pig to get to, pig to get back from, and it's horrible. Well, but there you, we go. No, well, I, I'll tell you what, I, I didn't realise that, but I'll, I'll pick that up later because I have got a bit, you know, later yeah. on to talk about Wembley and why it was so soporific. But Alex, you know, I know you can't stand Palace for very local and tribal reasons. Like you, you have to, you have to live amongst the stripy Nigels and 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 so on and so forth. But you know, like Clayton was saying, did you think that they were making a bit of a mistake by by playing the way they did, or were, were you like me thinking actually I thought they did a pretty good job? To be honest, they did a very good job at stop stopping us play in the first half. But surely it's a semi final. Surely you come to win it, right? And like you say, they have some players to at least give it a go. Um, it did make me chuckle. Of course, we weren't going to let Gallagher play, um, but it did make me chuckle. But I just they didn't do themselves justice, I don't think, because like you say, if they'd have come out and had a go at us, nothing to say. I mean, I, if you're Vieira, you're looking at that and you're thinking and you're knowing, and like Clayton said, damn hard. That first half, they weren't at it at all. And like pricking yourself up after that Real Madrid game and the disappointment for that real Madrid game and all of the emotion involved um, and the adrenaline would have been really hard. And if you're Vieira, you're going to be thinking that. You're going to be thinking they're going to be flat and we can catch them. And they didn't try. And yeah. they, they just tried to make sure we didn't batter them, um, which I don't think, I didn't think did them justice. Yeah, it's really kind of odd, isn't it? Because I, I agree with you. I think they could have had a they could have had a re Um I think one of the things that really didn't help us, actually, um, which seems to have gone under the radar a bit, which was Kovacic going off injured on 25 minutes. Uh, and this is nothing against Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who I'm going to big up massively uh, in a minute. But I think I think when faced with 10 men behind the ball uh, and when Jorginho's playing, what happens is Chelsea revert to type. And when I say type, you know, they just basically keep possession for possession's sake and try and be patient. Now, OK, on the one hand, you can you can say, well, that's not, not stupid at all. That's kind of quite shrewd. But the trouble is with dear old J5, it means the ball moves around really slowly, often sideways and often backwards. And we never, ever, ever look like breaking the lines or, or, or issuing any sort of a goal threat. And of course, when you've got Kovacic playing, that's great because you know you know what you get from Kovacic. You, you know he, he's a solid tackler. He'll win the ball back in midfield. 
and then he'll take it. He will, he will run forward with it. And of course, when he does that, he opens up gaps for other people because that's much harder to defend against. And of course, losing him on 25 minutes, you suddenly had, you know, Jorginho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek come doing the same thing. And it just became so just stodgy, Clayton, is the best way I can put it. And 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 the point that I really want to make out of this is that I've been wondering for a while. I mean, you, you know, you look at the Real Madrid game uh, in in uh, in the Bernabeu, which is one of the best uh, performances I've seen us play for a long, long time. And our midfield was set up very, very differently. There was no Jorginho, and we were so aggressive. We were going forward all of the time, and I think we just look such a terrific and and dangerous side. When we play like that, rather than this pass, 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 sideways, 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 backwards, 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 sideways. Oh, I've now run out of ideas, so I'll just punt it long. You know, when we run at people, when we take the ball and we move the ball at speed, we look such a threat. And and what bemused me was that Loftus-Cheek was part of that on on Wednesday. And then on Sunday, he reverted to type two. It was all very bizarre that first half and frustrating. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, Cover's fantastic. I mean, he he will basically break the line. He He's he's what you need to to get through the, the, the mass ranks. Um, the thing with J5, and I remember having a conversation with um, no less a man than Joe Swedes about three, four years ago, basically saying that we're never, ever going to win the league with... Kovacic and Jorginho together in the side because it's just not a good enough midfield. It's a good midfield, but it's just not good enough. I mean, J5 does a job and he's done a job for a number of years, but whenever he's not in the side, we look far more threatening. We basically are a lot more direct. Oh, hand up. Do you want to? Sorry, Alex. You... No, no, just when you're finished. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make yourself no pressure, no pressure, um, <laughs> no pressure, Clay. No, no, no pressure at all. I mean, if you want to say something, just jump in, jump in. I'm just going to echo what you're saying. Do you know what it is with Kovac- uh, with um, Jorginho? He's out of the three, him, Kante, Kovacic, of uh, four even with Loftus-Cheek. He's the safe pair of hands. You didn't need a safe pair of hands against Palace. Um, and you didn't want one against Real Madrid. And that's why he's not starting those games because he is, he just, he does represent not a plodder, but the least dramatic of all of them. And you didn't want that against Real Madrid. We needed to go and smash yeah. them on their own. And we didn't what you you don't want that against Palace because we don't need to do that against Palace. So these are why he's not starting certain games and why he's well, not starting big games because think, of what I'm saying. I, I agree. I totally agree, Alex. And I mean, in a sense, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and I'd like this is where I'd like us to go. Tuchel took the break off didn't he, against Madrid, because he had no choice. He had to. He had nothing to lose. Nobody expected us to go through. A lot of people expected us to get dubbed big time. So he had no choice. He took the break off. And that's how we play when we play without the break on. And my God, did we look, we look bloody. I mean, we looked, I mean, you know, everybody's, you know, creaming their fucking pants about Liverpool and Man City at the moment. And they are damn good teams. They are brilliant teams to watch. Liverpool particularly, I think, can be frightening. And I mean, we looked every inch as good as either City or Liverpool against Madrid because Tuchel took the break off. Now, what I'll say about Jorginho. He is the handbrake. Well, he is the handbrake, but I think there's something else to take take on board as well. And I think I think Tuchel uh, mentioned this today in the presser. You know, 
I don't, Jorginho's not been in good form, I'd say, this year. But I think there's a very good reason for that. And the reason for it is that he's absolutely mentally and physically done. You know, after the season he had last season, both with Chelsea and Italy, he's clearly, and also having to play and play and play and play and play when he may well have been rested a lot more. And I think this is a worry going forward in the season, actually, how many of our players will just run out of gas because of the exertions over over winter. But that is certainly true of Jorginho. So we're not seeing him at his best, number one. I don't think that that helps, but I, I, I'll be honest with you, and we've we've been consistent on this show saying it all the time. I, I I've got no problem with Jorginho. I think, you know, there there are games and situations that uh, his presence is much needed, and it's when we need to keep hold of the ball, when we're we're finding it hard to keep hold of the ball, or if we need to kill a game, he's the man. But he is not ever, I don't think, going to lead to a very fluent, fluid attacking force, and it was so obvious. Uh, on, on uh, against Palace on uh, on Sunday, although Clayton things did change and he was still on the pitch, so something changed. Yeah, I, I mean, every everything you and Alex have said is is one hundred percent, and and I agree. And I I sometimes I despair when we sort of when we were at home and we are in these situations where there is a bulk defence. You think J five is not what we need, as like Alex said, but. And the, the thing that I find incredibly frustrating about him is who opened the door for the first goal. He did, you know, and he has got that pass. He's got that killer pass. I mean, he doesn't play it enough um, and he doesn't take enough risks. But I suspect that is because he's told that's what he's told to do. And, you know, this is why we are looking at and, and we need a rice or to chew me or, or, or somebody different to, to, to sort of, to, to rev us up. But I think, you know, it, when he does make those passes, we, you know, we, we look dangerous, but he is basically told to play one way. And I mean, I did laugh when, uh, when he was asked at the presser today about why he gave J5 such a mouthful. And he said, Oh, it was nothing personal. He knows I love him. <laughs> He he does a job, you know. He's. I'm not going to compare him to John Obi, but it's it, he played a similar role. He does, you know. He goes out there and he does that, you know. People remember that John Obi when he played for Nigeria was this marauding midfielder who scored goals, who scored goals, long distance goals as well. And then with us, he did what Jorginho did. He controlled things. He never lost a ball. I'm not saying Jorginho doesn't lose a ball, but um, and people were just on his back 24-7. And, you know, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, John Obi's a hero, always has been, and was a fantastic player for us. So, you know, it's horses for courses. And I, I think the other reason why he was playing is because Kante obviously was spent after Madrid. And where we haven't got, you know, all the other resources in midfield are playing at Crystal Palace, Norwich and everywhere else. So it will change, I think. Well, ultimately, if Jorginho plays, it's because it's not because you want a kitchen sink it. If you want to chuck the kitchen sink at a game, you have better players at doing that than him. So he doesn't play. So. I mean, I want. I wonder. I mean, you know, Clayton's right that we, we we're not actually. You know, I thought I don't think we're really blessed with a lot of options in midfield. I, I, I'm worried about Kante, who doesn't really look 
to be capable of playing two big games in a row at the moment. Uh, I think maybe, you know, like I was saying a minute ago, maybe he's run out of gas and there's, it's understandable after what he's put in over the last four or five years. But I, I do wonder that we would be better served if, if we want to really, you know, take it two teams. We'd be better served playing a 4-3-3. I mean, I know that leaves question marks at the back, you know, and that is a worry given the lack of pace in our central defenders. But, uh, you know, a midfield of Kante, Kovacic and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I think, is is gives us far more options, certainly going forward. And and this is really where I wanted to bring in, in, in Ruben, who, you know, he's now had three really good games, I think. I mean, he was great against Southampton in a kind of a, a right wing-back role. He was really, I thought he was really excellent against Real Madrid in, in what was a, an incredibly tough match. And I thought he was he was very good again against Palace once he kind of got into his groove, although it took him a while to get into his groove. But you see, the thing about Ruben, like Kovacic, he offers you something else. I mean, he can pass all day long. He's a superb passer of the ball. He's a unit, but he can get the ball and go forward with it. Kante can get the ball and go forward with it. Kovacic can get the ball and go forward with it. Uh, Loftus-Cheek can also score goals. We know that from that that brilliant season he had with Sarri uh, just before he got injured. Uh, He scored about 10 goals, I think, that season. So we know he's got it in his locker. Uh, Jorginho can only ever score a goal if it's from from the penalty spot. You're not going to score goals from him. And, of course, Kante and Kovacic are both pretty poor at scoring goals. So, you know, it is an issue. We've talked about this long and hard. But I, I do think having three of them in the midfield actually gives us a lot a lot better options going forward it really really does and I'd, I'd be really keen I think Tuchel wants to see it Clayton I, I, I've just got a hunch that he actually that's what he really wants to play well um, all, all things being well we will find out next season I mean I, I sort of I say this with a heavy heart but I I mean if we can get money for J5 in the summer, then I think that we we need to do that. Because I I mean, if we're talking about Kante or J5, I'd want Kante ahead of him, Um, but he needs to be managed. I mean, it's hard to know whether Billy Gilmore will reach that level. I mean, he's had a, I think a pretty disappointing season with Norwich, but I mean, what can you expect? A team that's going going nowhere fast. Um, you're going to have Gallagher, and Gallagher may stop us buying rice, or well, <laughs> there might be a few other factors stopping us buying rice. Um, to be honest, but yeah, I I, I think it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because Tuchel Tuchel's transfer budget was blown on Lukaku. We don't know whether he wanted somebody else in midfield. I think there was always talk at the beginning of the season that he wanted another midfielder in. I mean, whether Saul was supposed to be that midfielder, uh, I've got no idea, but it was it was bizarre and cheap. Um, it was, it, let's be honest, it was a shit idea if that was the idea. But I think it was an idea that came about due to circumstance. And the circumstance was we'd had to, had to spunk 100 million quid to get Lukaku in. And yet Tuchel knew that we needed cover in midfield. And it, it seemed yeah. to be the best. I mean, you know, and Saul, Saul came with a big reputation as a, as a very good player. Um, you know, nobody... He, he is. Yeah. But bizarrely, he is a good player. I think he's proved that, actually, more and more recently. He's not looked like the Herbert he was when, when, he, yeah. when he played against Villa and got pulled off at yeah. half-time. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I think, and I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear, to hear what you both think of this. But I actually think that the last, the last few games have been very important for a, a lot of Chelsea's players, all of whom I want to speak about tonight. The first being Loftus Cheek. I think that he, he's shown his. We all know that he's quite versatile, but I, I think he can play an important role for us. And I think that that goal he scored, which was an absolute peach, by the way. I think that that hopefully will cement something. Tuchel was alluding to it the other day that, you know, you can have all the ability in the world, but, uh, you know, he was kind of basically saying he just doesn't, he just lacks that confidence. And it's something that we always used to say about him when he first started breaking into the side, that he looked out of his depth. He looked like a boy playing amongst men. And it, and it, that to me is a mental issue because we know he's got that talent. And if he can actually, you know, find the confidence to play like the player we know he can be I think we've got hold of something here I mean who who knows whether we'll get Rice or not next summer frankly for the price they're going to want I doubt it but we will have Conor Gallagher and I mean you, you look at a Kante I agree with you I think he's going to play less and less a role in fact I think I mean he's only got another year on his contract hasn't he after this summer yeah. Um, but I do worry about the fact that you know he's 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 looking more and more vulnerable and susceptible to the miles in his legs, and the injuries he's picked up. But you don't want to get rid of Kante. I think Jorginho could well go, and I love Jorginho, but I wouldn't have a problem with that. Gilmore, I agree with you. The jury's very much out. But a midfield of uh, of Kante, Kovacic, Loftus Cheek, or Kovacic, Loftus Cheek, and Gil- Billy Gilmore. I mean, I'm bang up for that because I think what, what Loftus-Cheek has proved is that he can play a, a Jorginho role, but in a Loftus-Cheek style. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because after the, the Brentford game, we were ready to say, Tura, thanks very much. <laughs> you know, you're 26. We're not fickle at all, are we? No, not at all. I mean, but it's true, isn't it? After that Brentford game, we basically, I, well, I say we, a lot of people, myself included, thought, you know, th- this is it for him because this was, he's 26 now, he's not a kid, he's had his opportunities, yeah, he's been really unlucky with injuries. Um, and ta But all of a sudden, Tommy T has basically looked round at his midfield and seen knackered Kante, <laughs> knackered Jorginho, and thought, I need to do something here. And I've got this player who is a potentially a very good player what can I do with him and he's tried him all sorts of places I mean that bizarre Luton game where he started off at centre half and completely gone and then he pushed him up as a sort of attacking centre half or I don't know what he was playing that night but he was superb he was absolutely superb and the thing about Madrid I know you were saying he was so disciplined in Madrid he really was. I mean, he, he, and this is, I mean, I know what Tommy T is saying. He doesn't know how good he can be. But I think part of certainly the, the Madrid performance was that he was basically stuck in there in front of Reese, And that was it. He was, he was really, really good. And, and he grew into the Palace game. I think it's difficult, you know, when you come on to sort of find your, find your straps, so to speak. But, I, you know, he, he's good. And, and, and like a lot of players, we, we want him to succeed because we've just got this horrible dread that he's going to walk out the door and then turn into, you know, Zidane playing for the next person that he plays for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, 
I think this is one of the things I like a lot about Tuchel, but he, he, he's the kind of bloke who will look at what he's got, look at the resources he's got available, and uh, and he will just try and, you know, make the best out of it. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm liking what he's doing. Anyway, uh, I want to move it on to somebody else, actually, the link being uh, Cobham, of course, and somebody who gets far too much grief, never from us, it has to be said, but Mason Mount who has now uh, managed to score four goals in his last three matches, or he's scored in three consecutive matches. Nobody's done that for us for a long time. Um, plus two assists. He's now got 26 goals and assists in all competitions this season. That's the highest total for a Chelsea player since Eden Hazard's last season at the club. And Eden Hazard's last season at the club was stellar uh, by his standards. Um, I think the, uh, the, the... I mean, he's now actually... I, do, I love this little chart that I nicked from the BBC. I, li- I liked it less when it proved that Romelu Lukaku was our top goal scorer, but uh, now it looks more sensible because Kai Havertz has got 13 and three assists. Mason Mount, 12 goals and 14 assists. This is this is in, in all competitions, so it's looking a bit more sensible. Uh, Timo Werner's got 10 and six assists. More of him later. Um, I think really, Alex, what we're saying is never doubt Mount because I think he's an absolutely integral part of this Chelsea side and what an absolutely top football player he is. The only questionable action of Mason Mount in the last year is that haircut. Which he's now he's now sorted that out as well. No, I mean the the new version. No, I don't but like. he scores I more like, goals with it. I like the floppy floppy hair. That's it. It's not conducive it's the to only football. Thing I call him out on. Yeah, I mean you know he is. I think I mean we've known it for ages. As have most people who know you know anything about football. That that you know there's there's no it's no accident why he gets picked all the time. There's no accident that uh, he's at the heart of all of the things that we do that are good. Uh, Southgate thinks the same for England. I mean, and we're getting to that stage, Clayton, where well, what more can you say about him apart from the fact, well, he's bloody marvellous, then leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, you could you could see it coming from Derby onwards, couldn't you? So it, it is no surprise. It's just uh, not a relief, but it's just nice that the sort of mental, the attitude and the, the brain is as focused as as uh, the talent because you don't want to end up fucking Mason Greenwood, do you? Acting like a knob and getting yourself in trouble and being an abominable human being because you've had it all too young and too early. Um, so, yeah, he just is a paragon of virtue yeah, as far as a young footballer is concerned. So more power to him. I think Clayton, you know, I'm still not entirely sure of what his best position is, and I and I wonder if actually you know next season we'll have a we'll have a, what Tommy T likes to call a number six, but we'll play with two number eights, which would be Gallagher and Mount. And I wonder if that's actually his his best position coming from deep. But I, I have to say, he's beginning to make the position that he's in at the moment look very much his own, which is kind of playing behind either one or two strikers, where he has. I mean, because that's what I think he needs. He needs space. Uh, behind the attackers and away from the attempt. You know, he, he he kind of drifts in that wonderful half space between where the midfielders will try and pick him up and the central defenders will t- try and pick him up. And I think that's where he does most damage. And I think his goal was an absolute um, brilliant exposition of that, you know, where Werner got it and he kind of drifted into that space, wasn't picked up properly, and then put it away beautifully. So maybe i don't know what position you call it maybe it's it's some sort of a, a 10 i don't like to use the word number 10 because that always has different connotations to me but it is that kind of position and i think maybe that 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 maybe we should get used to it that is his best position i, I 
uh, just taking into account my total lack of knowledge of anything to do with football, um, I have no idea where where his best position is. I just know that when he's on the pitch, we're a better team. And when when we are basically, when he doesn't play, we're not as good. Because I think more than anything else, he gives us energy. And, you know, even when he's not playing well, he never gives up and he's always running. And, and you know, he, he's, I think people forget how young he is. You know, he, he is inconsistent and, and can be inconsistent during games, but he, he changes something. He does something. The touch for the second goal was just phenomenal. You know, if, if, if that would have been done by, shall we say, for example, Phil Foden, who I've watched his last two games and he, all he seems to do is want to ruck, you know, undoubtedly a talented guy, but, but Mason sort of made such a difference in, in Madrid and at Wembley. He's a great player. And listen, the, the, the grief that he gets online is just completely insane. I'd actually really like to know, and I don't know this, to, to hear from opposing fans what they actually think about him, because I think that would be a better sort of gauge as to what we'll, you know, because we're going to be tinted, blue tinted glasses about what we think about him because he's so, you know, for me, he's a great plan and, and he's, he is in the horrible parlance, one of our own yeah. and we should love him and we should cherish him. I, I, that's a good point, actually. And we should ask, ask, ask them more often, really, what they think. We might get a chance to do that on Friday, but uh, so if we do get James from uh, West Ham on, uh, I will ask him that. But I, I, I mean, just, you just look at what all the pundits say. I've never heard any pundit, any ex-player, Anybody who's actually played the game have a bad word to say about Mason Mount. Not one. Well, he's, a, he's a pro's pro, isn't he? I he think is. that, that that's the one thing that, that that whenever you hear a pundit talk about Mason Mount, I mean, because I think that when, when he's played for England and, you know, the pundits all say, we'd love to have played with him. He's, 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 he, he sort of helps out his teammates. I mean, there was that occasion where the, the, the Alice band Grealish basically actually stood up for Mason Mount when he was getting grief from fans saying, you know, get off the guy's back. He's really good. You know, he just, yeah, I uh, listen, any, anybody who gives, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. My opinion is very good and we're, we're a lot better with him than without him. Definitely agree with that. Um, okay, right, we're going to have a quick break in a minute. Before we do that, uh, uh, just a quick shout out, as always, for CFC UK. Um, I think uh, Clayton and I, we've got, to, we've got to do a piece by Friday, according to he, he, he must not be named. You're laughing. I know why. I am laughing because, yes, I do have to do a piece by Friday. And I have to say, I have writer's block before I've even started writing. I have absolutely zilch on, on paper at the moment. No, I mean, I'm in the same boat, mate. I've got two, two I, well, because I was away for a, a pretty much a week having fun and then I missed the last week for COVID. I've been sitting on two big uh, Football London articles and I, I looked at my screen today and my brain was just mush. I thought, oh shit, I don't even know where to start. And then I remembered I got a CFC UK one to do. So I thought, oh my God, I, I'll have to find something to moan about before Friday. But anyway, um, it'll be out shortly after that. So make sure you get it. Um, if you can't get it at the CFC UK store, which is opposite the Fulham Broadway tube, uh, or you can get it in Fulham Road, people will be shouting, Harry up, it's only a pound. Uh, but if you can do none of that, don't worry. All you have to do is email fanzine at cfcuk.net and then you can subscribe for a year. I think it's 16 quid for a year subscription 
35 quid in Europe, 45 quid for the rest of the world. You can also get it as a digital copy, as a PDF, and that'll cost you six quid or one quid each. You can do that by paying uh, via PayPal. So there we go. Uh, We'll be back in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Cheech, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match... And they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month. And you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. Uh, this is the Chelsea Fancast, and I am. I don't know, a 70%, I don't know, I'll get the others to decide maybe. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'm a 70% Stamford Chidge tonight, but uh, I've got 100% Clayton Beerman and 100% Alexandra Churchill. Hello. Maybe 95. You think I'm 95? God, no, I'm, I'm You're 95. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with you then? Oh, to be through the ringer this weekend, but fortunately my car engine is now fixed, thanks to J cars up the road from me, who are a joy, mm. and not rip you off and fix your car inside two hours when it does silly things that you don't understand so panic over but it's trepidation this week mate i've got two days in the royal archives with the duke of windsor's crap Mm. Mm. two days inside his head it's not something you look forward to no 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 indeed uh i don't know clayton you're you're, you 100 percent i'm never 100 (laughs) percent so 95 percent is good for you yeah, I mean that, that's topping it. Yeah, no, you know, at my age, I'm sort of, uh, I'm, I'm happy with seventy percent, mate. Really? No, I'm good. I'm really, really good. Thank you. Good. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say I'm about seventy. I think maybe less, but uh, 
I'm doing the best I can. Um, so there we go. Anyway, on with the football. Uh, Chelsea obviously beating Crystal Palace, crippled Alice on uh, Sunday, uh, and another semi-final. And uh, a, a, a lovely thing that is, I have to say. I was, I'm very gutted that I couldn't be there. I mean, I was, I was, in, I was in bed all bloody day. I felt absolutely lousy, but I did, I did, it did cheer me up watching the Chelsea beat Palace. I have to say, but uh, I had a ticket. I had a ticket with Pablo and Stu and Nick. And we'd made sure we'd... I think they were in a, in a good... We got good seats as well. So I was really, really pissed off. But there we go. Such is life. Hopefully there'll be another chance. Well, hopefully I'll get to the final. That's the first thing to do. Anyway, back to the football, as I was saying. Um, we were praising Mount and praising Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I wasn't on the show on Friday to uh, to be a, a party to eating a, uh, a, a, probably a megastore's uh, supply of humble pie about Timo Werner and also to watch uh, JK doing exactly the same. And of course, he's not here tonight, which is a great shame. Uh, but there you go. But I think praise where praise is due. And I've not been his biggest fan. I think I compared him to a uh, like a terrier chasing a balloon in the past. But and that was being kind. Um, but I've got to say, he's now had three three good games in a row. He's been scoring and he's been assisting. Uh and I'm wondering if maybe, maybe, just maybe, Alex, if it's time for a reevaluation of uh, Herr Werner. Um, oh, I wish JK was here for this. Uh, I would be quite sad if he left us at this point. I think, I think he is the one thing you have to remember is that terriers chasing balloons are endearing and cute, Chidge, and he is <laughs> endearing and cute. He's full of enthusiasm um he's so german it hurts like he sounds like someone doing the impression of a german I just, he also runs like a german i i know i just like him i just like him i the next one we talk about i couldn't give couldn't give a flight but Werner, i i would be quite sad to see him go at this point i'm pleased for him almost as pleased as i was for ruben in this um goal the other day although when they interviewed ruben about it he just seemed he didn't seem pleased more than he just seemed catastrophically relieved that he'd actually done something, uh, which shows you the pressure he's probably putting himself under as much as we like anyone else is putting him under. But yeah, I I like Bernard. I think he's done really well. Hopefully, this is the beginning of a, a improved spell. Just I always go back to how much I wanted to pummel Ramirez the first few months he was with us, um, and then I ended up loving him. So I don't want to write him off too soon. Um, I, I know that, you know, like me, Clayton, you're not a massive, uh, mass, massive fan of stats. And, and I, I, know, I know that, like me, you're not a massive fan of Werner either. If you and I would have had him ship, shipped off to Ulaanbaatar, you know, last October, I think. Um, but statistically, he's even proving it um, on, on paper as well. I mean, you know, if you, as I said, Lukaku is third in the scoring and assists charts for Chelsea with 12 goals and no assists. But Werner's got 10 goals and six assists. Um, you know, that's a pretty good... I mean, if you look comparative to everybody else, uh, it's it's very good, actually. I mean, you know, as I said, Mount's way out on his own with 12 and 14. But Havertz has got 13 goals and three assists. So he's got more assists than uh, double the assists of Havertz. So... He's he's making a contribution, but I mean, certainly the last few games, he's looked more the part. I think worth pursuing with. Oh God! Um, I say that in hope rather than expectation, mate. Okay, so the last three games, he has contributed 
massively too, although I have to say where Lee Dixon uh, came up with him being man of the match on Sunday, I have absolutely no idea because there were at least two Chelsea players, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and uh, Rhys James, who were much more deserving of that and probably even Mason Mount because of his goal. Um, it depends what you aspire to as a, as a football club, in, in my opinion. I mean, Timo Werner was bought for 50 million two seasons ago. I think he's... How many goals has he scored in the league in those two seasons? Eight, nine, something like that. Um, the vast majority of games that he plays in he can't control the football. He's been caught offside just more times than you, you that anybody should be caught offside. Um, and yes, I do understand that when he plays, he obviously puts other defences on edge because he has got the pace and he, and he does cause havoc. But uh, you know, is he good enough? Uh, uh, is he good enough to be in our first 11? No, I don't think so. Right now, I'd say he is, but I'd say okay. that. I'd, yeah, right. no, let, let me qualify that. Right, yeah. right, now, right now, he is, but that says a lot more about Pulisic and Ziyech and Lukaku than it does about Timo Werner. Yeah, OK, well, that that's a very fair point. I'm just going to, you know, if... Is a team with Timo Werner in its first 11 good enough to win things? Well, obviously, we do win things, but I, I the, league, the league has got to be the you know, it's got to be the ultimate for us. And will a team with, with Timo Werner win? I've got no idea. I, I would err towards no. I absolutely love his enthusiasm. I love his never give up. I love all of that, and 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 that's fine, and that's that's great if you're a mid mid table team, and you are, you know, you're happy to to watch people chasing balloons in the park. You know, I just look at Liverpool, who went out in January and got Luis Diaz for less money who's hit the ground running who scores goals who looks a a good footballer um there's, i think Timo's there was a great a sorry Clayton, to butt in there was a great stat i watched the liverpool city match because i was so yeah. bored and ill with covid i thought i need to be even more depressed and watch these two play football and they had a great stat about Diaz, which is that he scored as many goals in the recent uh, what, what's the, um, the the South American equivalent of the uh, Copa the Libertadores. That's, yeah, well, that's the equivalent of the, of the Champions oh, League, Champions isn't it? League. The one of the one of the national uh, Europe, you know, European nations thing, whatever it is. Anyway, yeah, uh, he he was he was the highest scorer in the competition, equal only to Messi. He's you know he's good, and and you have to you just. I mean, it, it, if you looked at all those videos that they showed um, of Werner's goals when he played for Leipzig and the goal that he scored against Southampton was one of those goals, he's got to do that for a season. Yeah. And, it, and he hasn't. And now it might but you know, it may be because he's not being played. You know, if we keep that front three from now until the end of the season, 
then maybe, who knows? I don't know. He's, he's obviously a confidence player. He's definitely a confidence, but you can just see it. I mean, you just have to laugh, don't you? I mean, like, so was it in the last couple of minutes where, you know, firstly he tees up um, the lump uh, with a great cut back and then full of confidence, he has a shot on target that, as the commentator said, made its way to Wembley Park Tube Station. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's him. <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. I, I think that's a really good point, actually, Alex, that Clayton makes there, which is, you know, one swallow does not make a a, a, a summer or whatever the, the saying is. That he, You know, if he, if he does what he's done in the last three games consistently over a season, then he's, he's, a, he's a player that you want on your side. And if he does it over a season, he is scoring 20, 25 goals, which is what he was doing for Leipzig. But, um, you know, if, he, if he's going to just be, you know, doing it, you know, once every kind of 10 or 15 matches, then are Chelsea going to win the league with a player like Timo Werner? And I think the answer to that is is, a, is an absolute no. But I do think he's... I do think that if, if there's a pecking order to be had right now, you know, of the of the kind of six, seven forward offensive players we've got, it's it's Havertz, Mount, uh, Werner, uh, Ziyech, uh, Pulisic... Uh, Lukaku and I suppose Hudson Odoi, who's been out for ages with that injury. So I do think in the pecking order, he's 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 in our he's in our starting lineup and our, as our best front front three at the moment. Yeah, um, I I take your point, Clayton, about how he needs to do this for a season before you actually start talking about what a great player he is. Um, but I take your just point as well that right now I would pick him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it does it does say more about the people that you would pick him ahead of. Um, come on, let's start talking about him because I want to run. Okay, let's talk about the fat fuck, shall we? Okay. I'm taking that. I, I'm just going to refer to him as the lump. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, the excruciatingly egotistical, pointless, uh, self-aggrandizing lump. Yeah. I, I eviscerated him on... on, on bugger on, off. Yeah, I, 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 I eviscerated him on the West Ham show. My West Ham... The West Ham host, which is Will, who's been on our show a fair bit, he, he, he sat there open mouthed. He couldn't believe what I was saying. I said, "Well, there are there are two fundamental reasons why I hate Lukaku. Actually, no, no, there are three. No, actually, there are four reasons. I forgot the other one, which is he's a miserable, sulking bastard." And then yeah. I just ran through and I, I gave him that um, the analogy I made the other week about you know you get those kind of uh, little kind of corgi like dogs, dogs with you know short short legs, small dogs who get overfed by their octogenarian owners. So they become very round and they can't move. And when they try and jump, they, they you can see that they're trying to jump, but they don't actually move because they're so fat they can't get off the ground. That's what Lukaku's like when he tries to head a ball, I was explaining to Will. He couldn't believe it. Anyway. I wouldn't care if you never saw him play for us again. No, the sooner he goes, the better in my book, Alex. But I, I, I mean, again, yet again, he didn't cover himself in too much glory, did he? I mean, he missed an absolute sitter, let's face it. That should have been in the back of the net, that one from Werner. Yeah, just don't don't walk around with Drogba's attitude when you've never delivered like Drogba did. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, Clayton. Um, buh, 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 buh. I I can forgive every anything of any player, Werner being the case in point. Um, but I can't forgive a lack of effort. Yeah, and there is a um, distinct lack of effort, isn't there? That's the point. There, there does appear to be, um, and I can't, you know, I listen. There, there is no argument that we don't play to his strengths, and 
part of the problem of not playing to his strengths is, for example, if you played Lukaku from the start on Sunday, that's the sort of game where we've got 10 people behind the ball where you can't play to his strengths because playing to his strengths and knocking the ball down the channels over the top. Yes, Alex. No, no, I was just going to say you're absolutely for 98 million or whatever it was. Mm. Why should we have to play exactly to your strength? Surely for 98 million effing pounds, mm. you should be adaptable as part of your skill set, right? Yeah. No, I listen, and, and we shouldn't forget that two or three games into the season, we thought, wow, it's the missing piece. You know, terrorised Arsenal, scored those two brilliant goals against uh, against Aston Villa when, to be honest, Aston Villa played us off the park and we won 3-0. And we thought, great, this is, this is happening. And I don't know where or how it just stopped happening, but it, it was bloody quick. Um, the injury obviously didn't help. And, I mean, he's been injured twice for long periods but ironically i think we should play him tomorrow night i mean i know we're going to talk about it we will we will talk about that that'll be interesting Um, but yeah i mean the 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 problem is is what we spent now i know that we've got this potentially wiping of the slate clean that if he does go or we can send him out on loan or whatever to just get him out but it doesn't really solve anything i you know, if, if he if he goes, who comes in? You know, do, do we play? Because the whole thing about Man City is that they don't have a striker. They don't have a focal point. And I think part of the problem um, is the fact that centre-forwards are no longer a thing. You know, Kane is probably last man standing, but he plays most of his games deep-lying. And who else is there? I mean, there isn't. And, and, and he's a dinosaur. And you don't play like that anymore. Mate, I couldn't agree more. I mean, number one, I think he's. I think there's a mentality issue with Lukaku. I always have done. Um, I don't think he's got enough bottle, frankly. Um, he ran away from Chelsea the first time because Mourinho wouldn't make him the number one or the number nine, if you see what I mean. And of yeah. course, he'd missed that penalty against Bayern in the Super Cup final. You know, he's got a massive ego, but uh, uh, people with massive egos are often got very brittle egos underneath, in my experience. And I think he's a classic case of that. And he's, I think he's, he's a small club player. You know, when, he's a whiner. Yeah, and I can't class with him. Yeah, I agree with that. But he's a small club player. Uh, he well, is. He, I mean, sorry to to butt in, but Inter Milan are not a small club. Inter Milan are a massive club. Well, at the time he was playing for Inter, I would argue that they were. They were doing absolutely nothing in Europe. Nothing. You know, and, they, oh, and, the, league, and yeah. Syria A is, I think, has gone downhill massively. The rise of the rise of the Premier League has, has coincided with the, the decline and fall of the of Syria A. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I won't argue with that. I mean, the, the fact is that he's it's just been a massive disappointment. It really has. Yeah, I know he has, but I do think he's a small club player. And what I what I mean by that, Clayton, is he is the kind of player, as you rightly said, who benefits from the entire team and system being built around him, where he is the most important player on the pitch for that team right now when I say he's a small club player what I mean is that he he would never get that at a big club because at a big club he's going to have another 10 players who are as good or as big as him or as important as him and you won't get the entire team functioning around that one player and you could take him to Liverpool it would be the same there it was the same at Man United where he didn't really impress too much 
Um, you could take it to Man City, it would be the same there. You put him in a really big team with big players. He's not the biggest one on the block. He won't. He can't. He can't handle it. He cannot handle it. And of course, if he plays for a small club, most teams playing small clubs, small teams are. You know, the big teams are going to be on the offensive against a small team, which gives him far more room at the back. He's going to be left on his own up there on the last shoulder. They're going to be pushing up high. Ball comes over the top. Bomb. That suits him. It not, yeah. never, ever was going to suit him when he's having to play five at the back. He's going to have two central defenders on him the entire time. You know, we don't play a long ball game. We're not playing it to his feet. I agree we don't play to some of his strengths, but he hasn't got any space anyway. And he, he's not got the technical ability to beat players, I don't think. I don't think he's even as strong as he thinks he is. So you're right. I think too, what Tuchel has done at Chelsea, bless his little heart, he's laid laid to rest the ghost of Drogba, who was a one-off in my book. But the reality is that most of the teams that Chelsea play are going to play like Palace did against us on Sunday. And you are not going to, you're not going to beat them with a striker who stands static in the middle of the pitch just outside the penalty area. You're going to beat them with a striker like Havertz who is moving all the time, left to right, back forwards, like Liverpool do with their front three, like City do with whoever they've got technically up front. That's how big teams are having to adapt to play against the majority of the defensively-minded teams that they play against. And he is so unsuited to the way that we play. It's unbelievable. And he's not good enough to adapt because he's a one-trick pony. He's a big number nine who can bully somebody and crack the ball off really quickly. But off to Tottenham he goes. I don't care where he goes, mate. I really don't. But the way. Well, to quote to quote Henry the Second, Alex, who will rid me of this turbulent striker? (laughs) That is exactly what Henry the Second said. And then he said, "Bring me some ale." And then, then, then two knights killed Thomas a Beckett. I I don't wish that upon Lukaku, but. No, he has got to go. And, and as Clayton so rightly said, the, the bit of luck that we've had is that because everything's been written off because we've got new owners coming in, um, we can wipe up, we can we can write off that 97 million quid and it doesn't matter. Whereas beforehand, it would have been an absolute load of ball late because there's no way that Mourinho would let him go, let him go for probably the 30 million they're going to have to sell him for. Because nobody's going to, I mean, after a disaster season like the one he's had, nobody's going to be paying more than 30 million for him. You watch. You know, so there we go. But he ain't got no future at Chelsea, uh, that's for sure. I'll tell you somebody who does have a future at Chelsea, and my God, it is so important that he does have a future at Chelsea, is Thomas Tuchel. Um, that's now six finals he's got us into in 15 months. So he's, that's two FA Cup finals, Champions League final, Caribou Cup final, the Super Cup and the World Club Cup final. I mean, what more, Clayton, can you say about this absolute genius of a German? I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Because when Frank went, everybody was going, oh, I'm not going to fall in love with the next manager. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have any emotional attachment to him. And then, you know, I just watching him in the press conference today and just, you know, the, the, there's, what can you say about him? I mean, he's just wonderful. He's just absolutely wonderful. And, and hopefully, and, you know, the new owners, if they've got, any brains whatsoever will come in and say that our first port of business is to tie this man down to an Alan Pardew-like contract of 10 years. No, so they've just got to sign him up. And and you get the impression, I mean, we know virtually nothing, but you get the impression he quite likes it at Chelsea. And I think, you know, he, he sort of, 
you, you, he'd have to to sort of go through the shit that he's had to go through the last couple of months and to you know he could have easily said I'm a football manager not a uh, press spokesman I'm out of here yeah. you know I don't like this crap um, but he hasn't he's, he's fronted up you know going off on a tangent I mean big disgrace that not one person in the hierarchy of our club has had the bollocks to say don't worry Tommy T we're coming we will talk to you and we'll deflect all that shit away from you uh, he's had to do it himself so yeah no he's he's brilliant he's absolutely brilliant he he has to be I don't know has, has he got a he had an 18 month contract and then we extended it didn't we extend it for another 18 months or something yeah so, I think so He's probably got 18 months left after this or a couple of seasons. Yeah, no, just sign him up and give him what he wants. I mean, Alex, it's a super point, Clayton. Alex, have they got any sense? What they'll do is they'll 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 basically sit down with him, I, I hope and presume, like they did with Klopp, the FSG group did with Klopp, and say, okay, you are the best manager in the world. You are the best manager for us. Just, you know, we want to we wanna help you to deliver whatever you want to and whatever your vision is for this club. So, you know, if you want, as long as you want, you know, as long as you want, we'll buy into you and what you want to do for this team because we know that if we do that, we'll be hugely successful. That's what I want them to say to him. Um, and if they're too stupid to do that, then I, for one, volunteer to cling to his ankles and just refuse to let go. I, like, I, I, ne- I always thought it was too early for Frank. I never got that invested in Frank. I think he'll be back one day. Um, I have not... And I'm a Chelsea fan. Our managers are transient. I don't get attached. They're like... They'll all be gone sooner or later. I've not been this attached since Carlo. Mm. I think I'd actually cry if he left. I would be mortified... I think I think the way the way I see it at the moment in a in a period of of, of of monstrous uncertainty for Chelsea Football Club, Thomas Tuchel is the only thing that makes me confident that we we can have success going forward. He's Not, more important than any player. Yeah, any player. without a doubt, without a doubt, not a shred of doubt about that. He is he is the most important thing in the entire club at the moment. And if, if that goes tits up, we are in the shit. But uh, let's not think about that. Let's think about happier things, which is the fact that, uh, thanks to Tuchel and, of course, the players, we are now in our fifth FA Cup final in six years. Uh, of course, we've... Uh, so just, just to recap, we were... 2016-17, we lost 2-1 to Arsenal. 17-18, we won 1-0 against Man United. 18-19... Uh, that that we weren't in that one. That's a shame. Uh, Nineteen twenty, we lost again two one to Arsenal last last season. Of course, we lost one nil to Leicester. So it's third time lucky. We really do need to uh, to win this one. Um, I don't think any side has been in three consecutive FA Cup finals and lost all three. Uh, it'll be our sixteenth final. We've won eight and we've lost seven. Interestingly enough. Uh, since two thousand and three, when we were formed, we've won five and lost three. So. Um, it's about even, really. In other words, is what I'm saying. So we've got a we've got a wonderful long running record in the cup, but we really need to win this one, Clayton, don't we? After the last two, for God's sake. Well, I mean, so the first thing is, do we have any idea at all who's refing it? Because obviously, if Anthony Taylor's refing it, we just basically just don't bother turning up. We can't um, get a semi and a final, can he? Can he? I don't know. So I read somewhere that basically it's going to be the World Cup one for us. No, it's Mike. It's Mike Dean. It's, it's his last season, isn't it? So the the thought is that this sort they'll give him this as his last game. 
I mean, there's another peacock, but at least he's a prat for both sides and not. Uh, got, I mean, part of me on Sunday thought I want to lose because I can't, I can't face losing to that lot again at Wembley. I mean, absolute nightmare. Um, but no, I mean, I mean the the 2016-17 we didn't turn up for. We just didn't turn up. 2019, Taylor did for us. Um, and last year we were just, I mean, I mean, one their goal could have been chalked out and Chilwell's goal could have counted. It was uh, it was just unlucky. And, and I suppose we don't really think about that too much because we went on to win something much bigger a couple of weeks later. But no, I don't, I just do not want to lose again. I really, I mean, you know, of a certain generation, the FA Cup is just, it's so special. It's quite interesting because they're basically, uh, I think somebody tweeted the other day that, um, it might have been yesterday, that football's now boring because in the last 20 years, only six teams have won the league and only six teams have won the FA Cup, etc. Well, the FA Cup's bollocks because so many clubs, you know, clubs like Villa, like Newcastle, like Spurs, not so much Spurs because they couldn't do it if, even if they tried, you know, sort of mid to Everton, you know, play weakened teams. Yeah. There is nothing better than a day out at Wembley for an FA Cup final. So I'm not having that. I'm not having that. You know, like Leicester won it last year. Um, you know, and if you want, if you want it, it's winnable. It really is. So, and, and we don't ever play, we don't ever take it lightly. And we've got to win it. <laughs> no, I, I, we, win we, it. we absolutely do. I mean, I have to say, as much as it's disappointing to be having to play Liverpool, who, who are rather good. I mean, we've not actually, we've not actually lost to them in, in open play this season. And there's no. not many teams you can say that. And I have to say, I think that when we A, play Liverpool and B, play a, a decent team, we, we play much better. I think when we get a bit, you know, there's a bit of, oh, it's only them. So, oh, well, we don't we don't have to put in 100% here. And, and that's been a problem this season, I think. And I don't think there'll be that problem against Liverpool. I think that we'll be absolutely at it because it'll be them and we'll want revenge. And I think we play better when we're the underdogs and we will be the underdogs, Alex. Uh, more importantly than anything, you're missing it, guys. We have it in our power to stop this four trophy bollocks that all the press are yeah. literally spanking their monkeys over the fact that we've been <laughs> everything in one season. Uh, yeah, we can we can fuck with that, and we have to. Yeah, and it's imperative. It's one of those NASA NASA mission patches that says for the good of mankind or whatever. It is. <laughs> on our shirts at Wembley, isn't it that the, the... The league's still going on and the Champions League will be after it as well. And the chances are they'll be in that fight and what have you. And this will be the lesser of the tournaments as far as they're concerned. So that's another thing which I think is in our favour. Yeah, Whatever just... you have to do, it's about the rest of humanity. It's not just about Chelsea Football Club. Nobody wants to listen to that shit. No. Well, we've done it before, remember, uh, when we, we stopped them winning the league. And... Uh... I checked actually, and there's a there's a massive gap between the semi final, which I think is will be over by something like the third of May, and uh, the final, which is on the twenty eighth. So they 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 won't have one eye on the final. In other words, it won't be like the next week. So 
Uh, they'll have two weeks before that final. I presume that they'll be in it because I, I think they'll be too good for Via Villarreal. Um, I mean, I have a suspicion that Liverpool and, and City will play the European final and actually City will win it. That's my suspicion this year. So uh, I don't think it will look well. Better. Well, I think I don't think it'll all be on us. I think actually what might happen is that Liverpool might pip them in the league. Interestingly enough. Um, which would be equally obnoxiously horrible to be able to stand. But you're right; it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it, even even if the whole fate of mankind didn't rest on our shoulders, like Clayton, I still want us uh, to win it because Clayton going to Wembley for an FA Cup final for some of us is still very very special. In which case, why was it so bloody soporific? To quote J.K. on on Sunday, what's going on? Uh, well. I have I've written about this on several occasions, and I think in in our most recent wonderful publication, which people must buy if it's still available, uh, the the big sleep out book. Um, one of the things that success brings is is just ambivalence. You know, everybody was taking the Mickey. And rightly so. I mean, I don't know what's happened to Henry Winter. I, I used to love Henry Winter, and he's turned into a bit of a a funny fella in the last couple of months. But he's always Basically, been a, he's always been a Liverpool fan. Yeah, I know that. But to call Wembley the Anfield of the South when they've been there nine times and we've been there twenty-seven times is a little bit disingenuous. And you know, but but the point is that we have been there twenty-seven times, and you turn up and it's a semi-final, and you know it's not a final, and that's probably why the atmosphere was shit from our fans because it's just like oh, we're here again you know it goes back to the age-old argument about you shouldn't you should never have semi-finals at Wembley but they do and that's probably why our support was, was you know and, and also it was without sounding condescending but I am going to be completely condescending it was their cup final and they made you know they made huge noise and apparently they're they, still they're still there celebrating that fact. So they are, and and they've won, haven't they? They're, 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 in, in their they're, world, they're, yeah. their fans have scored for them. But but the point is that you know they get there once every ten years. We get there every single year, so I'm not saying it's an excuse, but it's it is a reason. Yeah, familiarity breeds a bit of contempt, I think, Alex, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it just has become, and I said this to a Fulham fan, and I think he wanted to tell me I was a prick, um, but I just said it's become dull and I just can't be asked with it if it's not a final. It's expensive, uh, it's not enjoyable, it's a dirge to get there, and I just, Wembley should be for finals because this is what happens otherwise. Yeah, I think I think that's a very, very valid point. Although, I mean, you can also factor in I mean, and it is it is unbelievable ball ache getting there unless you live in Brent. Um, it's even more ball ache for me now having to come from Winchester. In the old days when I was in Pimlico, at least it was, you know, uh, just I, I had to get up to Paddington to the pub and then it was easy. But it's well, much... It wouldn't be so bad if every time you didn't get there, there wasn't a mass of engineering works that just made your life even more miserable. Just turn it off. If there's a giant game on at Wembley... Stop fucking with the travel. Yeah, there is that too. And it's it's also a horrible stadium to watch football. And that's why I was so keen with Pablo and Nick and everybody to make sure we got the, the tickets in the right place, which I think that they managed to do. Although I, I, they didn't take any photo. I'll have to ask them and see where they were sitting. But the number of times I've applied for tickets in what I thought would be a decent area and I've ended up in the gods 
and it's just horrible watching football from there and of course the other thing is is that it's really hard to get an atmosphere going unless every one of the 30 odd thousand of you in the stadium who are supporting your team are all singing the same song at the same time because of course uh you don't hear you don't really hear what's going on from one bit of the ground to the other the acoustics in the, in the place are terrible uh it's and it's so expensive and apparently the stewarding the policing was pretty horrible there's a you know i don't know you know chris axon don't you uh alex and uh yeah, and, yeah. yeah. He, he didn't even get inside because they chucked him out or they wouldn't let him in because he had a camera with him oh fuck off just yeah, fuck seriously off. seriously so you know that's all got pretty shit so it's, a, it's actually a pretty horrible place to go and watch football and we've been going there a lot in recent years and i and i, I do think maybe that's affected things a little bit um it's a great shame because it should well, be big wank fest for the fa and i hate the fa yeah, so. i know but it's a great it's a great shame it's a great shame because it, it should be as clayton was saying it's a it's a special day out which you cannot ever presume will happen every year and like the point i was making earlier on clayton when i said i didn't want to go to the family lunch which frankly yeah. given the circumstances i should have done was because no this might be the last chance i get to go to wembley to watch chelsea yeah. play for a while yeah we don't we we just don't know but i i, I mean <sighs> I think the point is that it's like everything, isn't it? It's like UEFA when they held the the Europa League in the arse end of nowhere that nobody could get to. And it's the FA, you know, the FA are, it is absolutely inexcusable that two sets of fans from the Northwest had to go to Wembley when there were, when there were no trains. I mean, the arrogance and the, and the absolute contempt of the FA. Oh, because they put on a couple of coaches. So it's all right. I mean, you know, hats off to both sets of fans for getting there. Um, but what it wouldn't have killed them to say play at Manchester United's ground. No, it's just, it's never going to change. It's uh, They did it to us in the final in 1915, in the middle of a war where the military had commandeered the entire rail network. <laughs> they made they made the final at Old Trafford, <laughs> and so no Chelsea fans went. Ta da! Nothing changes. Nope. No, it's right. I mean, I re- I remember the uh, the Sunday night. Tell me you remember nineteen fifteen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. Khaki <laughs> Cup final, wasn't it? Yeah. Was but it? no, I mean, do you, do you remember when we played um, played Fulham in the semi final? They made two teams from West London go all the way up to Villa Park on a Sunday, seven fifteen Sunday night. I had a great time. <laughs> I, I threw I threw celery and it hit Jean Tigana, and I never got arrested for it. Other people did. Plus the fact that me me and Doctor Mart drank more Guinness than they than, than than you know than they normally have on St Patrick's Day. I was going to say, did it have more to do with alcohol? Yeah, of course it did. And uh, and I travelled up in in the lovely Claire. Claire had a sports car, which only had two seats. So Martin, because he's like six foot three, had to sit in the front seat, and I'm I'm kind of somehow squashed in what can only be described as behind the two seats. I wouldn't call it a seat. Uh, But anyway, we got to the pub, had lots of Guinness, and then uh, we discovered aftershocks and. Uh, we had a blue one and a red one. I said, Martin, it'd be quite fun if we had a purple one. So we had one that was mixed together. I got absolutely battered, but uh, it was great fun and I loved it. But that's what an FA Cup final should, semi-final should be about. It should be travelling somewhere like that. And uh, I think they've really lost something because it's at Wembley. The only thing I would say about Wembley is because it's got a 90,000 capacity, 
pretty much if you've got a season ticket, you're guaranteed a ticket. And if you're a member, you've got a bloody good chance. I mean, I couldn't shift my ticket on Sunday and I put it out into nearly every single group that I'm in. I didn't even have anybody going, not, I'm kind of vaguely, not, not a sniff. Yeah, but the other, the other thing is, Chidge, I know what you're saying, but you could hold it at Arsenal or Spurs or whatever if you don't give twenty five to 30,000 um, tickets to groundsmen and, you know, FA officials and the fathers and sons and daughters of Parkkeep. I don't know, but it's just stuffed every which way, isn't it? I mean, what is it? Well... They reckon we're going to get 30,000 tickets at the club website. So we normally get about 22 and a half, don't we? Well, yeah, we get, we get, no, we, we, we usually get about 25. I mean, if you've got a season it's ticket. never enough for the season ticket holders, is there? Well, there's. The, season ticket holders will miss out. No, no, you usually, you pretty much, you, you're pretty much certain to get one if you're a season ticket holder. Yeah. I remember the last season of being a member, I had 120 loyalty points and I couldn't get a cup final ticket, so the FA could fuck off. Yeah, well, there we go. I mean, I always have very low loyalty points on the, on the uh, you know, I get, I, get a, I get an amount loaded onto my season ticket because I don't buy enough tickets to go away or I quite often scrounge a, a ticket to cup matches. Um, I tend to suffer a bit from there, so it's always a bit of a worry, but uh, hopefully I will have enough. Now, some people have made a couple of very good points. Mark made one as in Mark Meehan, he said it would help if Chelsea let fans choose where they sit at Wembley. Palace fans were able to choose their seats, so all the Croydon Ultras were together, which is absolutely true. And uh, somebody else made a good point, yeah. Andy the Hutch said uh, the corporate middle tier breaks the atmosphere. He's absolutely right. That's always been a big problem with it, and it really has. But there we go. We're there again on the 14th of May, and I sincerely hope I will be there, as no doubt Clayton and Alex do as well. Um, Now, quickly before we go to part three... Uh, make sure you get a Chelsea pitch owner's share. Absolutely. If you want to have a share of the freehold of the stadium and protect it from being sold to a property developer in the future, uh, then shell out for one. It's about, well, 110 quid there or thereabouts gets you the entry point, which is an electronic share. You can pay a lot more if you want to have a signed one by a Chelsea player or a framed one. Uh, I think the most expensive are about 173 quid, but it's well worth doing. Just go to Chelsea FC com and then search for Chelsea Pitch Owners and the rest is easy. Uh, and the other thing you can do, of course, is join the Supporters Trust. Um, probably never been a more important time to join the Trust so that you can make sure you get your voice heard on all the important issues that are kicking around the club at the moment. Uh, it only costs five quid to be a member annually um, and uh, that will entitle you to having a nice shiny badge uh, as well as attending all the meetings that we do and also to be able to vote in the elections, stand for the elections, put forwards uh, motions for the AGM. So there we go. ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Go and do it. We'll be back in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! FootballFancast.com Okay, right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge, and uh, I'm joined by the lovely Alexandra Churchill. Hello. And the very lovely Clayton Beerman, who is necking a neck oil. Necking a neck oil, that's exactly correct. Good evening. Fine beer. Point out that the brewery's called Beaver Town because it always makes me laugh. 
Yeah, <laughs> which have got they've got they're they're actually based very near Spurs, and it is the they they are the brewery of choice, aren't they? At the new I, I have been to they've got a micro brewery actually in the ground. They have. Did so you? I went there for, did you? No, know, I went there for the American football. Yeah. So, uh, did you know that Robert Plant's son is the owner of Beaver Town Brewery? I did. Oh, you did. I fancy I that. I did know that. That's because you're a beer that. connoisseur. I'm, no, not not especially, but I'm I'm certainly a Beaver Town connoisseur because I actually cottoned onto it quite quickly after it came out, and it, it is my tipple of choice. I have to be have to be honest. Exactly that. Right. So anyway, uh, we're going to have a quick look uh, now ahead to tomorrow night's match against the Arsenal, and in uh, time honoured tradition, we start with my uh, appalling excuse for team selection which is uh, this, uh, Clayton and Alex. It's Mendy in goal. I've, got, I've gone 3-4-3 because I knew that Kovacic was out because he's got ankle ligament damage. He's out for a couple of weeks, apparently. So uh, that scuppered my plan of having a 3-4-3. Uh, sorry, a 4-3-3 because that's what I wanted to do. And I was going to play uh, Kovacic, Kante and Loftus-Cheek. But alas, that's been scuppered. So I am going Mondi. Rudiger, Silva, Aspilicueta, uh, or I mean, you could play James as the as the right centre back, uh, or you know, you could switch around James and Aspie basically. So in the middle, I've got James, Loftus Cheek, Conte, Alonso, and up front, I've got Werner Havertz, Mount. On the basis of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But um, I've decided to elbow J five. I I just don't think he's at it at the moment, as Tuchel admitted. And I think we look better when we've got more mobile players playing in the team. And one thing I would say, Clayton, that I never said before, uh, you know, when we were talking about it, was when Conte came on, how good he was at passing the ball forward, I noticed, actually. On a lot of occasions, he would ping a pass, you know, on the turn forward quite a lot. We underestimate that about the little man, I think. We we do, but I'd have to say that that is possibly the weakest part of his game his passing but he did it very well he did he did do it well um it was uh he, I, I i always love him when he's on the pitch i mean let's be honest he's he's a fantastic player i mean as for your team as i alluded to earlier i would actually play the lump tomorrow night uh principally because i think he terrifies the life out of Arsenal's defenders, and uh, so I, I would play him. To be honest, I, I think Havertz needs a rest. Um, I, I obviously I'd, I'd stick with Werner and Mount, uh, but yeah, but I, I'd yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, they're on a slump, and that always just. I mean, I am I right in thinking that it was um, one of the worst performances of Frank's tenure was that Boxing Day when we got humped by them 3-0 at the Emirates. And if I'm not mistaken, they had lost something like six or seven games in a row. We turned up or didn't, as the case may be. So I've just, uh, yeah. And and for whatever reason, the last couple of seasons, we just can't seem to do anything against them. I mean, obviously, we won first game of the season, but yeah. Not... Alex, what do you think of the old team selection from me? I go, I concur on all of them except Dave. 
because I think Christensen earned the right to keep his place the other day. Well, I, I'm glad you brought Christensen up because we were a bit remiss in not talking about him earlier on. Because J.K. apparently, according to his fan bite, was gonna was gonna award J.K. the man of the uh, J.K. J.K. Well, was gonna award Christensen the man of the match. But I've got to say, Alex, I thought he was pony, and I couldn't. I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. And I I thought he was no, pony. No disposed to like him I, I thought he was he pony was. and I, I'm bang on a minute I'm, I, I was so not surprised that Tuchel took him off with 10 minutes to go and brought silver on because he was thinking you know because basically uh, Christensen nearly let him in for an equaliser I thought he was pony mate I'm not happy with him at all I really don't think he's good enough no, I, you know that I think he's a worse. I don't like the long sleeves he gets on my nerves um, and I'm just not his biggest fan but I actually was quite surprised. I asked oh, to Charlie. Charlie said to me, he's actually played all right. And we exchanged some surprise that we weren't pissed off with him for once. Um, so I'd let him play. Mm, okay. So he would go on the right instead of Aspie. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that, that's, that, that is, I can, I can get that. I mean, Chaloba seems to have slipped down the pecking order a lot. In fact, somebody asked in the press conference today, where, where's he been? He's disappeared. And basically Tuchel was saying he got out of form. Uh, but he still kind of rates him. Um, I suspect that he may well play J5 because that's what he does. But I would I would happily have Conte and Loftus-Cheek in there. Uh, James, he's interestingly, he was worried about how how he will be able to uh, cope with playing as the right wing back because he has, you know, he's just come back from injury, which is why he was playing him and uh, right centre back and Aspie as right wing back. So I thought that might be quite sensible. So you could see. You know, that could be an argument against Christensen starting as right centre. But the bottom line, it doesn't matter because we all get it wrong every week and Tuchel gets it right because he's the one that picks the team, isn't he, Alex? Yeah, he is. Um, and just on Chalabar, I would say in his defence, he has across the season been far better than I think any of us expected yeah. him to be. And if there's still a bit of inconsistency there at the moment, I can live with that. Yeah, definitely. Um Arsenal uh, have been in horrendous... This worries me in a bit like it did Clayton, to be honest, but they're in horrendous form. They've lost their last three. Uh, 1-0 against Southampton. 1-0 against Southampton after we spanked Southampton 6-0. Uh, they lost 2-1 at home to Brighton uh, and then they lost 3-0 uh, to Palace away, uh, having beaten Brentford 4-1 uh, before that um, and, uh, and Villa 1-0 away before that. So, I mean, and that's actually screwed up their chances of making top four because, I mean, they're they're now on 54 points. We're on 62. Uh, Spurs are in fourth on 57. United uh, fifth on 54. But we played two games less than Spurs, United, and one game less than Arsenal. So they're way off the pace, uh, which kind of worries me because, you know, quite often what happens, as Clayton says, they can be dreadful and then turn turn up against us. What I tell you, what I really worry about uh, Clayton is what they did last year, if you remember, where they oh, they God. spunked a one nil win by basically playing with eleven men behind the ball and then hit us on the break. Got luck. I mean, got really lucky. J five. They didn't. They didn't. If you remember right, they didn't hit us on the break. Basically. Jorginho fell over or something like that and basically gave them the ball. Yeah, exactly that. It was, I mean, they were they were rubbish and we just couldn't couldn't score against them. It was it was a really it was awful. It's like I said, for for whatever reason, we the last couple of years against them, we just seemed to struggle. And I have no idea why, because you know, as Arteta proves week in, week out, he's not a particularly good manager. He's not a particularly good man manager. 
I mean, I, I, you know, I can see what he's trying to do. He's got all these kids playing and, and you know, fair play to him. But for whatever reason, we just seem to have an absolute... I mean, we lost that, that game at home last season against what had to be one of the worst Arsenal teams or one of the worst Arsenal performances. We had that... that the year before we drew two all when Louise was sent off and we gave them those two bloody stupid goals. Just, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. But that's why I would play the lump because I think he could do some damage. He could give them something to worry about. I've just, because they will, they won't put 10 men behind the ball. And they may be the sort of opponents that you can play the ball over the top. So that's why I play the lump. Well, I, I, Alex, you did want to come in then, actually, didn't you? Yeah, I just wanted to say, man up the pair of you. It's fucking Arsenal. <laughs> Seriously, like, you know me. I'm not usually like, yeah, we're going to smash him. I'm not over the top. But actually, I do not fear these dickheads tomorrow. I really don't. Having seen them play a couple of weeks ago, no, just no. Oh, I mean, if we don't beat them, then we're idiots. Well, I, I, I concur. I agree entirely. I worry, though. I, what I worry about is the fact that you know, Arteta's not as much of a mug as people make him out to be. And even though they were absolutely awful uh, last year when we, they won 1-0 at the bridge, he knew they were absolutely awful. And he set them up not to lose by defending with 11 men behind the ball. And I can see him doing the same tomorrow and, again, trying to hit us on the break. And actually, that's where I think that they are at their most uh, dangerous because they've got Saka and Martinelli up front who all play wide. And they, they tend to play with a 4-3-3. Uh, and again, you know, three in the midfield against R2, I think, can often cause us problems. We've seen this before. But I think particularly if you've got Saka and Martinelli up against potentially Dave or Christensen, because I don't think Christensen's very fast, and Alonso, that worries me. Uh, and they could hit us on the break. Uh, so that that's a worry that I have. I've got a few other stats, Alex, before I bring you back in, just to add to the, the general negativity from me, which you always get around this time on the show. Uh, of kind of weird circumstantial evidence which worries me. Uh, that's the headline. Weird circle uh, circumstantial evidence that worries Chidge bit. Um, yes, the Arsenal will be looking to avoid an unwelcome record-equaling fourth consecutive Premier League defeat for the first time since 94-95. We all know what that means. Uh, on the plus side, apparently there's a massive rift uh, emerged as Alexandre uh, Lacazette's absence was put down to private reasons, according to Mikel Arteta. Arteta so it sounds similar to the Aubameyang issue. Um, the, what's the other one? Arsenal uh, are unbeaten in each of the last 11 league head-to-heads played between Tuesday and a Thursday. Oh, well, there we go. There's a stat for you, if ever there was one. Anyway, enough of my, not, not, not enough of my morose negativity, Alex. Carry on with your absolute exuberant positivity. Yeah, I refuse to be afraid of a man who looks like his mother had an ill-advised one-night stand with a velociraptor. The end. Who, who's that? Arteta. I think he looks like Captain Scarlet. Or, or Captain no, Black. Doesn't. Captain Black. Like Scarlet's more fucking animated. No, he looks, he like, looks Ca- like Captain Black. Captain not, Black. He's the, the Mister on, That's isn't right. he? He's not, he's not Scarlet. No, no, he's Captain Black. He is Captain oh. Black. Yeah, he does. He doesn't. That look... was animated as a puppet. Well, this is no, true. I refuse, refuse to be afraid. Of I him. mean, don't get me wrong. I hope we smash the shit out of them because nothing gives me more pleasure than smashing the shit out of Gooners. And and and. Uh... But the 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 point is tomorrow, is that. We don't need to do anything. I mean, we are how many points above? We're we're five points above Spurs, and we've got two games in hand on them. Uh, we are 
eight points against Arsenal with two games in hand. We could we could just sit back. Draws fine for us. Don't don't bother us. Yeah, but they, they should they should be the ones chasing the game tomorrow because they need to win. We don't. I mean, yeah. We're not coming second. We're not coming fourth. Hopefully, I think you'll go not to lose again because I think I think the fact that they've lost three on the spin, they've not even scored a goal in their last three matches. I think he'll go not to lose. I think that's what most managers would do, you know, where they've had three, they've just lost three on the spin. They need to get some confidence back in the side. So it's like, it's like Jose said in that famous Blue Revolution uh, DVD, you know, we, we try not, we, we try to win, but you must not lose, you know, and I think that's a must not lose for Arsenal tomorrow. Because I think if they lose tomorrow, then their their top four, uh, aspirations are, uh, are, are going to be pretty, pretty difficult. On the other hand, if we win tomorrow, you know, we're we're home and hosed pretty much, you know, because United are already 2-0 down against Liverpool, I hear. So there you go. I mean, the the interesting thing, people, you know, on the back of all of this, I, and why I, why I do actually think it is really, really important to win, I mean, apart from my personal predilection for smashing the shit out of Gooners, but um, if you look at our run-in, you know, we've got what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've got eight Premier League matches left, and of course the cup final sandwiched in between it. But we've got Arsenal at home, West Ham at home. You know, they're local derbies. They're they're never easy. We've got Man United away. They're the worst Man United team I've seen in thirty five, forty years. But they're still Man United, and that you can't you can't discount that. We've got Everton away. Always a bogey ground with us, and Frank absolutely will be itching his pants to get one over us, even though they're absolutely pony and probably are bad enough to be relegated, although they all will avoid it. We've got Wolves at home, another, you know, Wolves are a tricky side. Leeds away, another big grudge match, won't be easy, even though Leeds are pony. Then we've got the cup final, then we've got Leicester at home, and then we've got Watford at home. You would have thought by then that Leicester will be on the beach and Watford will have already been relegated. So we should we should not find those too much trouble. Um, so you know, on paper it doesn't look like a bad run in, but on the other hand, Clayton, it it's it could it might might be trickier than we think. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think the biggest problem we're going to have is is sort of fatigue and injuries. To be perfectly honest with you, um, I think you know we've been saying for years. A good couple of years, this is the worst Manchester United side there's been for decades, and we can't beat them. <laughs> I think we're ending it, we're playing them on a Thursday night now, aren't we? That's right. Next Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I mean there, there are there's no easy games in the Premier League, but you'd have to think that we only need to win maybe three or four games to cement third place. And you've got to think that maybe, after all I've said, that tomorrow night should be, we should win tomorrow night. And we're definitely going to win the last two games, the Leicester and Watford games. Um, yeah, so you're only looking at, and, and as much as Wolves are tricky, they've just fallen off a cliff the last couple of months. So that shouldn't really be a, a problem. I mean, I, if, I mean, there is no way that we're not going to get third. I mean, you can overthink these things, but the players won't overthink it. And I can't, I can't see us dropping that many points. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, what I would really like, I mean, obviously, I think, I think you know, we're pretty much there when it comes to third. But what I would really like 
we do need to see some improvement in the league in spite of everything that's happened this season. And, and everything that has happened this season, it makes it even more remarkable what, what Tuchel has achieved. Because, I mean, frankly, we were Nat's cock away from getting into the semi-finals of the Champions League. Uh, we got to the Caribou Cup final. We won the World Club Cup. We uh, were in the Cup, the FA Cup final uh, with a 50-50 chance of winning that at the moment. And uh, we're, we're going to probably finish third. And given everything that's happened to the club with the injury to Chilwell, the injuries and COVID and the exhaustion and fatigue that came about because of winter, and now the turmoil because of the club being sold, frankly, that is phenomenal what he's done. Absolutely phenomenal. However, I do think we need to see some progress. And for me... That means coming uh, less than 10 points below whoever wins the title this year, which will either be City or Liverpool. And at the moment, uh, we're we're 12 points behind City, although we've got a game in hand. So let's say we win that. We're nine points below City, who are top with 74. I think we need to finish less than 10 points behind the, the, the people who win it. Last season, we finished 15 points. So that would be an improvement. Yeah. And I, would. You, I think we need to be seeing that. If we really, if we generally have aspirations about winning the title, that's what we need to be doing. So I think... I mean, go on. I, 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 I agree. And I mean, I think if we can do that, then it, w- it would have been a phenomenal season. But you'd have to think that neither Manchester City or Liverpool are probably going to drop a point be- between now and the end of the season, whereas we probably will. So I think that might that may be a big ask. But as you say, there has been an enormous amount of mitigating factors this season, uh, whereas perhaps they, they weren't so evident in, in previous seasons. So, I, I listen, I, whatever happens, you've got to say that, you know, you compare it to every other club apart from Manchester City and Liverpool, and it's been a successful season. Yeah. I mean, it's quite interesting. Will from West Ham today said to me, says you're in your own league of about of one at the moment, aren't you? So it's like Man City and Liverpool uh, duking it out at the top. Then there's us, and then there's everybody else. And I thought that was quite a good observation, actually. And it really, it well, really... I, I, don't, I don't, I don't agree. I just, but I, I basically think that you know, if you think about the games against Liverpool, they didn't outplay us in either game. You know, arguably we were better than them at Anfield until James was sent off. Arguably, we should have probably won at the Bridge. The League Cup final was a, a, a complete toss-up. Yes, City have outplayed us in both games this season, but I would say that we we are in that top three. I'd say we're part of that. Obviously, we're not in the mix. I understand what will what will means, but I'd like to think we are part of that three. Yeah, well, that that three at the top there are streets ahead of everybody else in the division. Well, there's some interestingly misleading things in all of that because I was a bit disappointed to find out that when you look at wins, uh, you know, Tottenham have won the same number of games as us this season. Arsenal have only won one less. United have only lost uh, won three less. And yet, if you look at the losses, only yeah. us, Liverpool and City have lost under five matches. We've lost four, Liverpool two and City three. And I think maybe that's where you should find the equivalence. That's why we are closer to City and Liverpool. The, the, the thing that stuffed us, as you can see here, were all the flaming draws we had over December when we were at our lowest ebb. Yeah, it's the whole, the whole COVID thing. Yeah. You know, we got eight draws. We win five of those. Well, we're in a much better position than we are at the moment, that's for sure. But it uh, was ever thus, isn't it, with football? OK, how, how do you see it going, Alex? What's your prediction? How do you think it's going to go? 
I just sat here laughing my head off at you two. Like, oh, and I'm formed this and I'm formed that. It's Chelsea. If I my auntie was my uncle, she'd have bollocks. Smash the hard people and then fuck up against someone terrible because it's just what we do, guys. So true, so true. Is that what we're going to do tomorrow? No, tomorrow we are. I'm not. I'm not bowing down to that half dinosaur inbreed reptile thing. No, we will win. Score two nil. Two nil. Two nil. Uh, Daryl agrees with you, Alex. He just wrote two nil at the exact moment that you uh, said that. What about you, Clayton? Uh, I'm I uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to lie now and say we're going to win one nil. You see, I wouldn't be surprised by that, but uh, I've gone two one in the old Prem prediction, so I'm going to stick with that, which is basically the percentages, the percentages prediction, really. Uh, but uh, clearly, I hope we I hope we stuff them outside. It'd be lovely. I think we could do with it, you know, after uh, after the last week or two. It'd be nice to see us absolutely score a shedful against them, but. Uh, I, have, I think it'll be closer than that. So I'm going to go 2-1. So there we go. We shall see. Let's let's uh, wait to see what happens tomorrow night. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week, sadly. Uh, JK and I will be back with you on Friday night at 7pm for the Friday night preview show where we'll be looking back at Wednesday night's match against Arsenal, catching up on all the latest news and previewing the West Ham match. And we'll be joined by Dan Silver, who is, uh, I think, now back from his uh, travels to the States. And uh, we'll be joined, of course, by Adam Newson of Football.London as well. Uh, now, we as a podcast are available everywhere you get your podcasts, as is Dino's Went to Mo King's Meadow. So make sure you check out ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify and all the other podcast distributors. Um, if you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron and uh, help us cover the cost of the uh, shows that we do and continue to do them. Uh, and uh, it's easy to do. Uh, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast there's no pressure at all honestly really isn't uh, and if you want to do it then as much as you want as little as you want I love you all the same whether you're a patron or not uh, thanks to the new people some of whom are listening on Mixler I emailed you all today and they've sent me their address and the reason they've done that is because that means they want the Kerry Dixon mini banner which I will send out to them uh, and they've already had the link to Discord which is a lot of fun so uh, if you want to join in the Discord chat you know where to go uh, all you have to do is become a member of, of the Chelsea Fancast patron there you go I commend it to you uh, no emails this week largely because I just don't have the energy because I'm still a bit floored by COVID and of course no JK and it's kind of his domain a bit really but uh, I'll try and catch up on them next Monday so uh, thanks for sending them in apologies for not uh, having them read out for a while uh, I'll do my best to rectify that but if you want to email us chelseafancast at gmail.com is the place to go but you can send us a message on Patreon or Instagram or send me a tweet or a Facebook message anything you like so there you go right you can follow the show on all the social media at Chelsea Fancast me at Stanford Chidge uh, Clayton at goalie at goalie 59 am I right? I'm doing this from you memory. Are. I'm doing this from memory. You are entirely correct. Yes, at Goalie59. And uh, Alex, of course, Alex has, has about as many Twitter uh, handles as me, but I'm going to go for the at CFCGWLB, right? Yeah, I haven't used that in a long Okay, time. well, what would you prefer? At Churchill underscore Alex will do. Okay, at Churchill underscore Alex. There you go. Now you know. Brilliant. Um, Lovely to see you both. Uh, you've uh, been a, a real tonic this evening, the both of you. But Alex, lovely in particular to see you. And are you, are you off travelling again soon? Uh, I'm taking 65 piss heads to eat, which Yeehaw. should be, uh, yeah, it should be fun. Come join us. Come oh, join I'd us. I'd love to. I'd love to. But I fear I probably won't be able to. Uh, largely because I haven't got any money at the moment. I mean, if I don't work for a week, uh, now two weeks, I don't earn any money. So 
Uh, I've just lost a lot of money. Oh, did I tell you? On, uh, when I was at the Killing Joke gig, I got my uh, car broken into as well. No. Yeah. Stole my wallet. Stole my... I mean, I took... Because I, I was going to a gig, I took my coat off and just liberated my bank card. And they went off with my coat, which had my wallet in it, season ticket, uh, all my house keys and my overnight bag. So they, they even stole my dirty underpants. So it fucking serves them right. Bastards. I know, but they completely totaled the back window of Sarah's car, so I'm in deep shit. And then was this not this was post pigeon attack, was it? Yeah, so we had the pit the kamikaze pigeon, so we got it mended just in time for that. I drove up to Leeds and then back down to London, and it got smashed up on the on the Saturday night in Hammersmith. And then the next day, I woke up with COVID. It's been a good week, so there you go. Anyway, Clayton, lovely to see you, my friend, as always. And you? Will you be going on Sunday? Um, if I'm feeling up to it, yes. I, I'm not going to make tomorrow. I'm just not. I'm just not feeling, you know, well enough. Frankly, I've then got. I've got also got to pick up my duplicate season ticket. So, so I've sorted that out at the club. But uh, I may. I may go on on Sunday if I'm feeling well enough. Okay. So I may see you there. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. Lovely to see you both. Been fun tonight as always. Uh, yeah. All you people in Mixler, as always, thank you for coming along. You've been lovely and brilliant too. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chelsea. Yeah. the It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.